So take a moment and just be, be where you are, as you are. Take a breath, relax. Find that place in you that trusts, that believes. that believes that place that is infinite and eternal that place in you that just knows there is a place like that in you there is a power and a presence for good in you that has chosen you at this time in this place to be who you are as you are. It has equipped you with everything that you need for this lifetime and beyond. It has given you a mind, access to a consciousness that is universal and divine. There is nothing more you could add to it to make it more perfect. There is nothing you could take away from it. It simply is. And it is expressed so beautifully as each and every one of you. Surrender. Surrender to the power and presence of this thing that is within you. It is your life. It is the life of God, the original, the creative principle that creates all things, all people, all everything, everywhere. Be. Be with that. And then, let your imagination go wild. Allow yourself to invite all of its divine ideals into that mind that you use of it. Imagine yourself prosperous, healthy, creatively expressing yourself in wonderful, delightful ways that's unique to you. Mm. Could be wonderful, couldn't it? I think that's what the Creator intended. And whether or not it is, I'm going to step into that idea anyway. I'm going to claim the brilliance and the beauty that chooses this moment to express through me, through you, through our life experience. And I'm not gonna let anything else interfere with that image, with that feeling, with being that way. For I know that the universal mind is a powerful thing that governs all things. And by the very law of being, what is thought upon is put into that law and made manifest. So I choose wisely this day where I place my thoughts, how I choose my words, and the actions I take. And I let it be a demonstration of this inner place manifesting in my life right here and right now. And that's all I need to know. The rest, God takes care of. Hmm. So I release these words with gratitude for the beauty, the love, and the joy that went into all of creation, that went into you and went into me that we may be here together, alive and celebrating this day, for it's a good day. 
proclaim it with me now by saying, and so it is. I say that because our founder, Ernest Holmes, states right at the beginning of the Science of Mind textbook that the seed of freedom must be planted in the innermost being, and we must make the discovery for ourselves that it's there. Spiritual growth, similar to the choice to increase knowledge of any sort, occurs to the degree that we want to grow. The depth of our desire, our passion, that we feel for wanting to know more of God, spirit, and the nature of the life force that is within us is always met with a corresponding response that supports and organizes and cultivates itself through countless and sometimes very extraordinary capabilities within us. It is the degree to that, it is to the degree that we each honor our inner commitments that allows us to overcome resistance and obstacles. The degree to which we connect to this living inner force is the extent to which we change and grow spiritually. Each one of you, I know it, each one of you committed a conscious act, demonstrating your willingness to at least open to a new spiritual idea. And I know you did that because you walked through the doors and came in here today. Today, we publicly recognized all of our graduates at the first service who took a science of mind class or a life enrichment class, who completed it and and received a certificate. And if you weren't here at the first service and if you haven't picked up your certificate, they will be available at at the back table. We enjoyed hearing the testimony of Danny Bonko, who shared his insight and experience of taking classes. At this service, I would like to acknowledge another one of our programs that offers the opportunity for spiritual growth and life enrichment to those who are in their teenage years. I would like to this day, uh, what I'd like to do is let someone who has, who is part of our teen alumni uh, come up and speak. This is an individual who dedicated himself to showing up here most Sunday evenings for his junior high and senior high school years. He stepped into leadership roles with ease and grace, I think, and, um, and was a model for many in our community and many in our greater organization. Do you ever wonder how these teens are doing after they leave our teen program? Well, you'll get to find out a little bit. Please join me in welcoming my son, Adam, to speak. Okay, take it away, Adam. Morning. How's it going? Excellent. First off, let me start by plugging the teen group because that is a fantastic place, and I would not be here today if it weren't for them. It helped me uh, helped me grow and learn a whole bunch when uh, when I was in a phase where I needed to look, grow and I needed to learn. So, fantastic group. They really appreciate the contributions that uh, is made by the congregation every week. Thank you, and I'm sure all of them would thank you as well. Now, last week, my mom came up to me, and she said uh, she said that in the first service today, there was going to be a, a bunch of folks talking and taking up her talk time, and in the second service, they didn't have those, uh, those people coming again, so she decided that, uh, that I might be able to help her out. And when she described this to me, she said, sometimes the teens from earlier years come back and tell you where they are now. Now that's all fine and dandy, but I'd actually rather tell you where I'm not right now. Because 
standing in front of you today is not a football player anymore. Even though when I graduated high school, it was my dream and it was my intent. And I worked very hard every day that summer trying out for a football team. Edmonton Wildcats. Very nice place. There's actually some other teens in the group, well, that were in the group that are on that team right now. But I can tell you that even though through all my hard work, through all that dedication, I just came up the littlest bit short. And that was a sad day for me. And my mom was there. She might remember one of the few times I've cried. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I, uh, I definitely that day went for a big long run. I, uh, I ate a tube of cookie dough and I signed up for a gym because I've got a bit of a strange grieving process. And through that whole time, my mom was there uh, saying, well, I know this is sad right now, but it's, uh, it's, it's going to be for the best. You might not know what's coming, but it is for the best. And that is something I learned through teen group as well. So, uh, so even though I was down in the dumps, I was uh, keeping my chin up because I know that there is always a perfect and right path for me, even though I might not know exactly what it is. Now, another person who's not standing in front of you today is a, uh, is a world traveler on a company's buck uh, with his life all set and sorted out. It could have been. I had that opportunity through, uh, through a job I had uh, about a, six months, eight months ago. And, uh, and I was told many a time that I was ideal for this position. And it was a chance where I could have gone to another country for six months and another country after that for six months and had everything taken care of, living in accommodations. And I committed fully to that idea and I did everything I could to make that possible. And in the end, again, I came up just the tiniest, littlest bit short. So I am not the world traveler that could be up on this stage today. And I was sad when that happened too. It was a, it was a rough moment in life. But once again, I, once again, my mom was there to show me that, uh, and to acknowledge for me that the best and right path, it's out there, even though you might not see it. So while I'm not yet a world traveler, and while I'm not some football star, I am here standing up today. And I could be those people, and if I talk to them today, I'd say, that's fantastic, your life is great, but I love where I'm at right now. I've... This past summer, I spent a lot of time in northern Alberta fighting forest fires in by far the best job I've ever had. And that whole time, I was not jealous of that football player, and I was not jealous of that world traveler. And in eight days, I've decided to catch a one-way flight to New Zealand. Do I know what's going to happen there? Exactly, I know what's going to happen there. The best, right, perfect thing is going to happen there. Now, again, none of that would have been possible if I didn't pick my head up after I'd been said no to a couple times in some things that I was positive that I was manifesting for myself. So sometimes exactly what you expect isn't what exactly happens, but it always is exactly what you need. Teen Group taught me that, and I guarantee you Teen Group is teaching that to a bunch of teens right now as we speak. So... Uh, so thank you for your contributions, thank you for your support, and if you ever have an opportunity to take some kind of class here, I would recommend it because it changed my life and I guarantee it changed yours as well. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. 
there's always a risk you take when you invite family onto the platform. <laughs> But never in his lovely 20 years has Adam ever let me down. So thank you very much for sharing. And yeah. <laughs> it's a wonderful demonstration when we, when we hear these stories and We, d we didn't rehearse this, but I just, I just know that, um, that there is something within this young man that, uh, that can speak a very high truth. And it is a wonderful demonstration of the work that is done here at the center. And this work, as you see, it extends beyond the walls of this building for each person who has ever attended a class or a youth program has the potential to experience the result of their own spiritual awakening. This sense of becoming something more, more than I was before. It goes with them and it goes with them to all of the places, it goes with them to all of the people they meet and to all of the work and play that they will do. You know, some of, sometimes we go through a phase in our life, I know I certainly did, where I thought, I can do this myself, I don't need anybody, I'm an independent woman. And if that were really true, if I really didn't need anybody else, then you would think that I could just cut out the plot of land that my feet are on and everything else could fall away and what would happen? I would perish almost instantly because we need each other. We need the universe that surrounds us. We, we are meant to be connected. We are, in fact, connected through all of life, through a whole universe of life just by the very law of our own being. And so our circle of influence is great. Our circle of awareness can be even greater. Ernest Holmes said that the nature of the thing, he called it the thing. In the second chapter of his Science of Mind book, he called it the thing because he, I think he wanted people to kind of let go of any preconceived ideas they had of what God is. And so he called it the thing. And he said that the nature of the thing is universal energy, mind, intelligence, and spirit. So now he's telling us what a little bit about what this thing is, that it's universal, that it's everywhere present for everyone. It's energy. We don't see energy, but we can feel it, can't we? It is mind. It is, that means it's thinking. It has thoughts, and so do we. And it's intelligent. It's pretty smart. It kind of knows everything. And it's spirit. There is a mystery to it. And this thing is the cause of everything. Out of it, all things are made. We, you, me, everything is made from this thing. That's pretty simple and straightforward. It finds conscious and individualized centers of expression through us. Through us. That means it's in us. It's around us. It's everywhere. That means that there's really no difference between it and us. In fact, we are one. It's, he says, man's intelligence is this universal mind at work. So the mind, the thoughts that I think I'm having are really within this universal mind. It's one mind. So the mind that we discover 
and use within ourselves is the same mind that governs everything. We are connected to the CEO of the universe just through our thoughts and our mind. But here's the caveat, here's the disclaimer. When we see it as it is, we shall see ourselves as we are, because we're one and the same thing. We're made of the same substance. To know this thing is to know ourselves. And here's part two. It functions in us at the level of our concept of it. It functions in us at the level of our concept of it. That means that it works for us at the level we believe. Someone used to say that line a lot in one of his books. Our belief sets the limit then to our demonstration of the principle of life, this original creative principle. It is the law of our being. So this law has a tendency to be put in motion, this law that receives the imprint of thought and brings things into form is put in motion by the sum total of your thought, your will, your purpose, and your belief. So we have to get involved. We have to get involved with God, with this thing. Ernest Holmes said is, that as high as we shall make our mark in mind and spirit, so high shall be its outward manifestation in our material world. As much as it as we accept and believe and can use, that's how much is going to show up in our lives. So I wanted to share with you an experience I've been having. Uh, one of my, well, my prayer partner sent me an email a few weeks ago and she said, uh, Connie, I've decided to do this 21-day spiritual practice and I'm looking for you know, some partners. It's recommended I have a partner to do this with and so just checking to see if you're interested. We can talk about it more on our call tomorrow night. I was a little bit familiar with this practice. It had been presented to me before and I've never picked it up or embodied it or embraced it in any way. So I was familiar with it. And something in me got energized immediately. A whole litany of excuses why I could not pick up a new 21-day practice. This is a year of spiritual practices. That's our theme. Why wouldn't I want to do more spiritual practice? Oh, well, I was tempted to just put a big, bold no (laughs) into an email and send it back to her. But I didn't. I paused. I paused. And I decided to look up the practice and just reacquaint myself with what was required. It was a practice where each day you spent time reading one chapter out of one of the Gospels in the Bible. I'm a minister, I know, but I'm not a Bible scholar and I'm a science of minder. I don't read the Bible every day. This practice required me to not just read the Bible, but to be on my knees while I'm reading the Bible. Yeah. And there was a little chanting and prayer involved in preparing my, myself for this, which I could handle. I like chanting and praying. And some journaling, which I thought, oh, well, I'll just start journaling and I'll never stop and it'll just take so much time. But there was, so there was this big no 
coming at me with all these excuses. It was a lot of resistance. And the clue for me was the amount of resistance. I mean, there's, you know, we're allowed to say no to things, absolutely. But when there's a lot of energy and a lot of excuses, that is my clue to take a more serious look. So I waited. I waited and I didn't reply and I waited till we had our phone call. Because you see, each of us in our lives are standing on the edge of a frontier. A frontier that is a space, a space between where I am and where I'm going. Adam is standing on a very exciting frontier. There's a frontier between what I know and what I don't know. There is a frontier between the conversation that I have going on in my head and the conversation I ought to be having going on in my head. There's a, there's a frontier between what I think is me and what I think is not me. There are those who are continually tackling their frontiers and stepping into them. And there are those who don't. There are those who will say, I'll believe it when I see it. And there are those who trust, I will see it when I believe it. And there are those who say, I will see it because I believe. So I spoke with my friend the next day, my prayer partner, and she explained what was going on with her and why she chose to do this 21-day spiritual practice, reading the Gospel of John. There are 21 chapters in the Gospel of John, and so it's a 21-day practice. You read one chapter a day. And she said there was just something in her calling her to do this work at this time. She couldn't really explain it any more than that, but she was quite determined. And as I listened to her, and as I reflected on the resistance that I was feeling and had felt, I realized that that resistance was my signal to just simply say yes. And so I said, when are you going to start? She said, tomorrow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so when our call was completed, I hung up, and I went over to my bookshelf, and I pulled the Bible off my shelf, and one of the other things that it said in the, in the practice was to have a picture of Jesus, you know, there to look at while you're on your knees reading from the Bible. And I thought, there is no picture of Jesus. There were no cameras back in his day. These images of Jesus are false and fake. They're just things artists and painters made up. True. But then I remembered that there's an old family Bible on my bookshelf at the top that uh, has beautiful color images from some of the paintings of the great artists and painters, you know, put in this Bible. And so I thought, okay, I'll have two Bibles on my altar. So I made myself an altar, a puja of sorts, because an altar is that place that we step up to, that we open ourselves to spiritual transformation. It is that place where we, our willingness comes forth. 
So I created an altar for myself. I had a nice little table that was perfect for kneeling height, covered it with a beautiful uh, wrap, red wrap that I had in my drawer, placed a candle there, two Bibles, had my chants and my, my prayers that I was supposed to read and everything there, picked out a beautiful journal that, I hadn't, that I'd been given as a gift and hadn't yet started to use. I had everything right there. So I created all of this so that the next morning I could wake up nice and early and begin my practice. David White, who is a, a poet from uh, the UK, writes some wonderful things. And he says that as we approach these frontiers in our life, that we need to start in close. Start in close, he says. Take the step you don't want to take. Well, there was a lot of hesitation and reluctance on my part. I recognized in taking the step to do this practice. Start with the ground beneath your feet. Begin where you are. I had everything right within my own home to begin right where I was. Start with your own questions. Don't ask other people's questions. We all have questions in our mind about who we are and what we are and why we're here and what we're meant to do, what our purpose is. That's, that's just, you know, part of life. Ask our own questions. Follow our own voice. We don't have to listen to somebody else's voice. There is a voice that is pure within us that is guiding us. We, we need to listen to that. And lastly, he says, be humble. Well, it was very humbling to acknowledge my resistance and to lean into it and to, to proceed. Because you see, there are two ways to approach any task. And that is we can approach it with our intellect, our intellectual mind, our thinking, logical, analytical mind or we can approach things with our spiritual awareness. And sometimes our spiritual awareness isn't really ripe and ready yet. Sometimes we don't even acknowledge that there is a power for good, that we are connected with all of life, and that it is all occurring right here where we are. And so sometimes our intellect is a way for us to gather knowledge, to gather the knowledge we need to begin to open the door, the knowledge that we need to begin to crack open our hearts, so that we can make them bigger and grow them and let the thing that's inside out. So as I meditated and observed my reactions and listened to my prayer partner and her willingness to surrender, I just accepted the guidance that I was being given. The ideal situation is, the union, is a union that involves the intellect and the spiritual awareness. And as I was reading the Gospel of John and reading the stories of John the Baptist and uh, the miracles that Jesus was doing, I, I found myself really um, getting caught up in the literal reading of the Bible, of, of, of the literal reading of these stories, knowing that they have been rewritten and translated and everything so much, but also being a student of the science of mind, recognizing that there is power in these words and these stories and that there's a meaning behind the meaning. But in my resistance, 
I wasn't initially seeing that meaning behind the meaning and I needed a little bit more help. And after a couple of days, the light went on in my head and the, lights, and the light reminded me, I have a metaphysical Bible dictionary on my bookshelf as well. And I also have some books written by Charles Fillmore. And Charles Fillmore is a contemporary of our founder, Ernest Holmes. He developed the, the unity teaching. And it is much more Bible-based with a new thought metaphysical interpretation. So I pulled those books off my shelf and I started to open them and read them and look at the metaphysical and the uh, interpretations of the words in the Bible. And I had a book, in fact, by Charles Fillmore called The Mysteries of John. And it was chapter by chapter, each uh, section of the Gospel of John explained in New Thought terminology. Now that I could sink my teeth into and really chew on and take the meaning out of these stories in a way that uh, meant something to me with my, my science of mind uh, background. So I recognized that truly the help is all right there. And so just by my openness and my willingness to take part in the spiritual practice, by letting go of my resistance and allowing something greater to come in, I've been having a really delightful time actually reading and studying and working all of this together. So I discovered that the value of mentorship, because mentorship is the other theme for our, our month this, this month, the value of a mentor is a mentor comes in many forms. The mentor comes in the form of our universal mentors. And the universal mentors are those that have gone before and, and written the sacred scriptures, written the books, the stories, the things that are left behind to inspire and guide us. There are the personal mentors. And my prayer partner was like a personal mentor to me who just simply offered an opportunity to partner with her in this practice. There, there was no coercion. It was simply an opportunity. But it was an opportunity whose time had come for me. There are also group mentors. When we come into class and we're with a group of people and we have group mentorship. And then eventually all of this opens us up and allows the inner mentor that awareness of spirit within to come through and be our guidance. Sometimes we don't hear that voice right away and it's, it's working with our other mentors that helps us to open up to be able to discern the voice of the inner mentor from all the other voices that distract us in this world. And so I would like to, um, to close with uh, a reading from one of the other books that's at my bedside table, and that's one of Joe Dispenza's books called Evolving Your Brain. Because what has happened is that from the stories and the parables in the Bible of, of Jesus uh, and all the, the works that he did to Ernest Holmes' analysis and interpretation of many great scriptures and to his work in the science of mind to the science that is being done in the world this day that proves how our physical form is really a reflection of our consciousness. I'd like to, um, to close with... Um, with Joe Dispenza's words in his epilogue. He says, we must remind ourselves that we are more than the sum total of our biological processes. 
We are the self-aware, immaterial essence called consciousness that animates our body, our physical body, and at the same time, we are also unified to a greater consciousness that gives life and form to all matter. Sound familiar? Both levels of consciousness are inseparable, and they come together in you and me. They are within us, and indeed they are who we really are. Ultimately, at a deeper level of consciousness, that dimension before matter and substance, we are connected. We are connected to everything in the universe. The energy that holds the universe and all of its components together can be influenced by our conscious interactions in life because we are made from the same energy. Therefore, we cannot change what we think, how we act, and who we are being without altering the infinite web of energy. When we truly change, the field of potentials in our personal life should change as well, and the outcome of such efforts brings us new and different life circumstances equal to who we have become. Different words, but it sounds a lot like something Ernest Holmes might have said. Ernest Holmes, in uh, one of his books, said, Science of mind will never be a closed book, but will continue to gather spiritual truth from every source and every man's experience, and combining them will discover that the result is an ever-increasing revelation of the nature of the spiritual, na uh, spiritual universe we live in. He said that... Um, uh, science of mind must not deny but include the findings of science through the realization that these great branches of human knowledge uh, of uh, science, philosophy, and religion, these three highways to the one source of all things are partners serving as guides in an endeavor to gain truth. Our increased awareness of spiritual truth will make each day a fresh beginning, a new approach to reality, a spiritual adventure emerging fresh and new from the original creative principle that is active within all of us. And so it is. Namaste. Namaste.